Today we are looking in the book of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter number 1, and we're going to read verse number 10. The book of 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. I want you to listen to me very, very carefully today and hear everything that I have to say. Don't pick and choose, but hear everything in its entirety today. When I ask you the question this morning, are you sure? Father, I just pray today, Lord, if there's anyone in this room today unsure of where they would spend eternity if they were to die today. I pray today, Lord, that they will leave this room and they will leave this room today totally and completely convinced, knowing and assured of the fact that their name is written in heaven and they're ready to meet you. God, I pray, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you'll give me clarity of thought and of speech today. Father, help me, Father, to Lord, to minister effectively, Father, and, and, and correctly today, Lord, the Word of God. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus and for your glory. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. If you ask the average uh, Christian today, are you sure of your salvation? Most of them would say something like, well, I think I'm saved, or they might say, well, I hope I'm saved, and some would even say, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. Let me direct this question to you today. Are you sure, are you sure of your salvation? Are you 100% convinced that if you died today that you would go to heaven and not to hell. If you are not 100% sure, that tells me you are unsure. Now, there are many things in life that that, that being unsure about is no big deal. But where you spend eternity is not one of them. And I want to help you this morning. If you jump on board, that will help me a little bit too. But I want to help you become absolutely sure of your salvation today. Because salvation is far too serious to be a guessing game. This morning I want to take the word sure and I want to make an acrostic with this word. And in this acrostic we're going to discover four keys to being sure of our salvation. So let's begin with the letter S this morning. And for the letter S and the first key, we're going to need a Savior. We're going to need a Savior. If you're going to be sure of your salvation, you will need a Savior. Because the fact of the matter is you cannot be saved without a Savior. Two things I want to mention here this morning. Number one, I want us to notice the need. Notice the need. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. I want you to notice the words, everyone and all. The need for a Savior is both enormous and universal. 
Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says that the wages or the payment or the punishment for sin is death. And we understand death here means eternal death. It means eternal separation from God in a horrendous place called hell. Psalm 1, or Psalm 14, verse 2 and 3 says that the Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. And notice what the Bible says that God sees. It says that all have turned away and all have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Can you see the need for a Savior? You see, the best of the lot is still a royal mess. Man, at his very best, is still messed up. Oh, try as he may, he just cannot pull himself up by his own bootstraps. And no matter how good that he may become, he will still fall far short of God's glorious standard for salvation. Oh, oh, he he may do better than others, but others is not the standard of God. He might be pretty good in this area, that area, or another area, and yet still fail miserably in other areas. The truth of the matter is, man's only hope for salvation is a Savior. His only hope for salvation is for someone to save him. Oh, his only hope for salvation is for someone to do for him what it is absolutely impossible for him to do for himself. But not only do I want us to notice the need, I also want us to notice the news. The news, oh, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 says, Mary is going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Oh, the golden text of the Bible, John 3.16 says that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son, that whoever would believe upon him would not have to perish, but could have everlasting life. Did you hear the news this morning? Did you hear the news? Oh, God was so in love with his creation called man. And God was so disappointed and so brokenhearted when man chose to sin, which separated man from God, that God devised a plan to save this relationship. Oh, by sending his very one and only son to be the savior of man, to do for man what he could not do for himself. Wow. title of my message today is, Are You Sure? And the only way that man can be totally sure of his salvation is if he has a Savior. For the letter U in our acrostic today, the second thing that we need to make us sure of our salvation is we need an understanding. In order to be sure of our salvation, we need an understanding. We, we, we need an understanding... Of grace. Of grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Now this word grace means freely given, unmerited love and favor. That's, that's what grace is. Grace is freely given, unmerited love and favor. You see, God saves us not because we are good, but he saves us because he is good. He saves us not because of our righteousness, but he saves us through his righteousness. 
Let's make an acrostic out of the word grace. And yes, we're going to have an acrostic in the middle of this acrostic. (laughs) So let's make an acrostic out of the word grace. It will help us better understand grace. For the letter G, I'm using the word given. Given. Grace is given. Grace cannot be earned. Grace is a gift. Romans chapter 5 verse 15 and 16 says God's wonderful gift of grace. God's wonderful gift of grace leads us to our being made right with God even though we are guilty of many But although grace is a gift that is given, it must be received. Received. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, God's wonderful gift of grace, His gift of righteousness is for all who receive it. Who's it for? It is for all who receive it. Who will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Notice the phrase, for all who receive it. See, see, grace is made available to everyone. Every individual, every person, no matter who they are, no matter what color they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what they've done, what they haven't done. Amen? Grace is available to everyone, but everyone is not willing to receive it. For many uh, various reasons, people do not receive this gift called grace. Some feel too unworthy. Uh, Oh, I'm just not worthy of the grace of God. Oh, I've been too wicked or I've been too evil or I've been too vile to receive it. And some just simply do not have faith to believe in grace. They they just can't wrap their hands around it. They They just cannot grasp it and they do not have faith to receive. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8 says, For by grace you have been saved, notice, through faith. Through faith. Even though grace is available to everybody, not everybody will have grace because not everyone is willing to receive it. Not everyone has the faith to believe that God did for them what they could never ever do for themselves. Grace is a gift. Grace is given. but, But it must be received. We must receive it through faith. And for the letter A, grace is abundant. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 says, Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You might say, well, pastor, you you don't know what I've done. Well, pastor, you don't know what has been done to me. Oh, pastor, you don't understand I've been violated. Oh, you don't understand I've been abused. I've, 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 I've. Oh, do you not understand this morning grace is abundant? Grace is abundant. 2 Corinthians 9 and 14 says, God has provided for you an overflowing grace. Oh, see, just in case, oh, that enough grace is not sufficient for us, God provides more than enough grace. Grace that is abundant. Grace that overflows. Hallelujah. Oh, even as that old hymn of the church we used to sing, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. 
An understanding of God's grace will reveal to us that not only is it given, not only must it be received, not only does it come in abundance, but it is also comforting. Romans 5, verse 20 and 21 says God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they were. The law that was given was given so that man would have his eyes open, so that man, when he looked at his life and he looked at the law, he could see what a wretched man, what a miserable, what a, well, what a wicked, what a vile, what a sinful person he was. Romans 5.20 says that. God's law was given so that man, so that people could see how wicked they are. He goes on to say, but God's grace gives us right standing with God. Oh, I like that. Don't you? Right standing with God. And it results in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I can't speak for you this morning, but I find no comfort in the thought of me trying to somehow earn my salvation. I find no comfort in me trying to merit my salvation. I, I don't see any comfort in me trying to do enough works to earn my way to heaven. Because if it's works that's going to get me into heaven, then I must ask myself, how many? How many works is it going to take? Is it going to take a hundred works? Is it going to take a thousand works? Is it going to take ten thousand works? Is it going to take a million works? If I can work my way up to heaven, how how many works does it take? And then I have to ask myself, what kind of works? What kind of works? Oh, Oh, am I doing the right kinds of works that would merit me salvation? And then I must ask myself, well, how close am I? How close am I? Man, let me get my calculator out and let me calculate and let me see. Oh, do I have three more works to do and then I'll merit salvation? Do I have a hundred more to do? Do I have a a thousand more to do? Oh, oh, how close am I? Am I close? Am I close? Am I getting close? Am I going to make it? Maybe I'll make it, but maybe it'll just be by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. How close am I? I can't speak for you this morning, but I find no comfort in this. Oh, but I find incredible comfort in knowing that through the grace of Almighty God, through His freely given, through His unmerited love and favor, through Him giving me what I do not deserve, oh, His grace and His grace alone gives me right standing with God. Oh, because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace of God. Amen. That gives me great and awesome comfort. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because it covers my sin, because I apply it through faith. Oh, I can know that when God looks at me and he looks into my heart, he doesn't see the blackness of my sin. But no, no, no. He sees the redness of the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses and covers and washes me white as snow. Amen. That's what gives me comfort today. Not what I've done, but what he's done. Not what I can do, but what he's already done for me and through me. Give him a shout of praise in his house today. Clear understanding of grace is required if you're going to be sure of your salvation. Amen? For the letter E in grace, I want to suggest that it's expensive. Now, I understand that grace is a free gift, but the price and the value of this gift is expensive. The purchase price is beyond comprehension. See, grace is no basement bargain. Oh, it's no blue light special. 
Grace is the most expensive gift that has or ever will be given. Because grace is the gift of God's very own Son. Grace is God leaving heaven and coming to earth. Grace is God emptying himself of God and the rights and privileges of God and putting upon himself the form of man. God leaving heaven and coming to earth. God becoming man. Grace grace is God taking the punishment for the sin of man. Grace is God doing for man what he absolutely could never ever do for himself. Romans 8 and 32 says that God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us. God did not spare his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but he gave him up. He gave him up. He gave him up. He put your sin and my sin and the sin of the world upon his son and put him on a cross and hung him and killed him there. And he did that for us. Isaiah 53 and 6 says, God placed on Jesus the sin of all mankind. Let me ask you this this morning. What if you spared no expense in providing one of your children with a very expensive gift? The gift was very, very costly to you. It was of great sacrifice that you gave the gift. And what if, after giving this incredible gift, your child did not appreciate the gift? What if, after giving this costly gift to your child, they did not even acknowledge that you had given them the gift? What if you watched them handle your gift very carelessly? They were very nonchalant with your gift. How would you feel? Friend, how can we, who have been given the priceless gift called grace... How can we handle this valuable treasure so flippantly and so unthankfully? How can we take for granted? Oh, how can we even act entitled to this invaluable gift? The title of my message today is, Are You Sure? Are you sure? Are you 100% sure of your salvation? Because this morning, if you cannot say that you are 100% sure of your salvation, then that means you are unsure. In our acrostic of the word sure, we find four things that we must have in order to be 100% sure of our salvation. We need a Savior. We need an understanding. And for the letter R, and this goes downhill from now, all the shouting's already over. For the letter R, we need repentance. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says the goodness of God. That's grace, right? The goodness of God. And we love the goodness of God, don't we? Ah, we love the goodness of God. Ah, ah, I mean, you get, you know, I mean, dead people come to life and you start talking about the goodness of God. Paul writes in Romans 2 and 4, he says, The goodness of God leads you to repentance. That's all we need to understand this morning. God had his part in grace, but we have our part. Now hear me all total now. Don't just pick and choose. Hear everything I have to say. We hear very little today about repentance. 
We hear much about God's love. We hear much about the mercy and grace of God. And, and that's all well and good. And we're the grace place. So we better talk about grace. We better talk about God's love. Better talk about God's goodness. We need to understand what grace is all about. It's not just about me doing anything and everything I want to, and God just saying, it's okay, I'll give you grace. The way I understand Scripture, and I put that in there, okay. The way I understand Scripture, salvation is impossible without repentance. Let me suggest two things about repentance this morning. First of all, it's commanded. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 19 says, Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. So that? (laughs) Kind of sounds to me like if I don't, then it doesn't, right? (laughs) Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin. What's the sorrow God wants us to experience? That's repentance, right? The kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. And it goes on to say there's no regret for that kind of sorrow. And it goes on to say, but worldly sorrow which lacks, say lacks. But worldly uh, sorrow which lacks repentance results, it what? Results in spiritual death. Did you hear what the Apostle Paul said? He said a lack of repentance will result in spiritual death. He said without repentance we cannot be saved. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13 and verse 5, He said unless you repent you're going to all perish. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, if we what? He said, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Oh, the good news is this morning God is willing to forgive us of our sins. It doesn't matter whether your sin is adultery, whether it is murder, whether it is gossip, whether it is slander. It doesn't matter what your particular sin is. God is willing to forgive us of our sin, no matter what we've done or what we do, God is able and willing to forgive us of our sin. That is what He is able to do. But it is our part to repent. It is our part to come clean with God. It is our part, amen, to confess our sins to God. In order to be sure of our salvation, we must repent. Now, repentance includes being sorry about our sins. Repentance involves being convicted of our sins. And repentance involves turning away from our sins. Not just sorry that we were caught. 
not just sorry that we are not allowed to do these sins anymore. Genuine repentance is when our sins become repulsive to us. When they begin to sicken us. Ah, when we desire to be delivered from the sin. Genuine repentance is when we are not only sorry for our sins, but but we have a desire to walk in a completely different direction than we were walking. A military term for this is about face. And that's literally what repentance means. It means, oh, that we were walking this way, but when we repent, it means that we turn around and we walk the opposite way that we were walking. And not only is repentance commanded, it is also commended. Luke chapter 15 and verse 7 says, There is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and returns to God than there is over 99 just people who do not need to repent and have not strayed. See, see the Bible teaches that nothing thrills the heart of God more than for someone to genuinely repent. In the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son. Oh, the Bible says in that story that when the wicked son came to his senses. And when he decided to come home. And when he finally did come back home. And when he repented to his father. The Bible says that great joy came into the heart of the father. And the Bible says that a great celebration took place the very same day that the prodigal repented. Maybe you're here this morning. Oh, Oh, and you're like the prodigal son. Maybe you too have left the father. Maybe you too have walked far away from his presence, far away from his precepts. You too have ventured out into sin. Oh, God's grace is available to you today. And all you need to do is to recognize your sin. And then once you recognize your sin, then you need to repent of your sin and say, God, I am sorry for my sin. And then turn away from your sin. And then after you recognize your sin and repent of your sin, then you need to return to your heavenly father. Let's look at the last letter of our acrostic of the word sure today. If you want to be 100% sure of your salvation, if you want to know that you know that you know that you know that that you are saved, that your name is written in heaven and, and that you are ready and if you should die today, that when you died you would go directly into the presence of Almighty God in an incredible place called heaven, that you would, you would, you would escape that horrible place called hell. If you want to be 100% sure this morning, the E in the acrostic of the word sure, you need evidence. See, evidence determines the guilt or innocence of a person, right? Listen very clearly, please, very closely. You'll listen clearly if I talk clearly, right? Listen carefully. Let me ask you this morning, if you were on trial for being saved, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? Let me suggest two areas of evidence. The first one is old habits are demolished. Old habits are demolished. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Anyone, say anyone, Anyone. who belongs, say belongs. 
Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Not everyone who thinks they're saved really is. I've been overwhelmed lately with the thought of the responsibility that I have. This church is growing, and I I, I sense the responsibility of like never before of making sure that people go to heaven from my chairs. And I get so consumed with numbers that, well, you know, if we kind of water things down a little bit, we'll just keep going. Well, I've never been tempted to do that, but I'm not going to do that. The incredible, unbelievable responsibility that is upon me as the pastor of this church to make sure. Oh, I can't make sure you're saved, but I can make sure that you know what it takes to be saved. And I hope you understand this, but I'd rather over-save you than under-save you. So I know, because I know people, and I know there's going to be a few people that are going to pick and choose a couple of things I'm going to say here this morning, but I'd rather over-save you than under-save you any day. Don't know too many people that are oversaved, actually. <laughs> but not everyone that thinks they're saved are really saved. And it grips my heart and it breaks my heart to think that there would be people that would come to the grace plate week after week after week after week after week after week. And if they died or if the trump of God sounded in the rapture, they would not make it. And what grieves my heart even more than that would be, be that the thought that they thought they were saved. Let me tell you that just because you repeated a sinner's prayer sometimes, sometime in your life, that and that alone does not guarantee your salvation. A prayer from our lips is meaningless Unless it comes from the heart. And words without genuine repentance are powerless. I know a lot of people hate the sinner's prayer. Oh man, when I got saved, man, I was at the altar and I I cried and I snotted and I... And now all I do is say this little prayer. Listen. It's not about the method. It's about the message. And it's about a changed heart. Whether you knelt at an altar and blew snot, or you sat very unemotional, or stood unemotional and repeated a sinner's prayer, it's, it's not about the method that is used. And a prayer from our lips is meaningless unless it comes from the heart. And words without genuine repentance are powerless. You see, people who genuinely get saved have a heart change. 
When we truly change on the inside, then it eventually changes us on the outside. The proof of salvation is a changed life. Paul said that when we get saved, our entire life changes. All things pass away and behold, all things become new. When Christ comes to live in us, He changes our desires. And our, listen, get this this morning, our desires are reflected in our actions. When Jesus genuinely comes in and sets up residence in our heart, when we truly repent, when we truly have godly sorrow, when we are genuinely saved, God changes our desires, and the desires that we have then are reflected on what's on the outside and how we live our life. Now here, everything I have to say this morning, this this doesn't mean that we won't be tempted by our old ways. But hear this this morning, it does mean that our desire to please God will become greater than our desire to please ourselves. I don't think sinful desires ever... 100% go away. It kind of changes sins on us. Amen. I don't think it ever quite goes away. But what what, what really needs to happen is that that, that we have a desire to please God more than we have a desire to please ourselves. Sin grieves God. Sin displeases God. Oh, and I believe continual unconfessed sin separates man from God. Now, nobody's perfect. And no one gets to the place where sin isn't enticing to them. And we're all enticed by different types of sin. The sin that entices you doesn't entice me, but the sin that entices me may not entice you. We all are enticed by different types of sin. And I also want to say this, what was enticing to us when we were a sinner might not entice us as a saint. It might, it could, but what was enticing to us when we were a sinner might not entice us as a saint, but other sins do. But even though specific sins are still enticing to us, if we are genuinely saved, we will desire to please God more than we will desire to please the lust of our flesh. We need to understand that grace does not give us a license to sin. Grace does not give us a license to sin. It gives us a way to be forgiven of our sin. And not only forgiven of our sin, but it gives us a way to live above sin. You see, there are two kinds of grace. There is saving grace, but there is also what the Bible talks about. It's called sustaining grace. There is grace to save us, but God also has grace to sustain us or grace to keep us saved. The little tiny book of Jude, just one chapter, verse number four. He writes and he says, listen, this is very, very clear. Some ungodly people have, have wormed their way into our churches. Some ungodly people have wormed their way into our churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. 
We hear a lot about that today. He goes on to write, the condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. They have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. If you're 100% sure of your salvation, there will be some evidence to prove it. Old habits are demolished and new habits are developed. One amen. Thank you for that one. I appreciate it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 again. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You see, not only will a true Christian no longer desire the wickedness of the world, they will also begin to desire the righteousness of their Lord. Their old habits will drop off one by one by one by one. The old habits will drop off one by one and new habits will begin to be developed. Oh, habits like reading the Word of the Lord. Oh, habits like spending time in prayer. Oh, habits like gathering together with the saints of God in the house of the Lord. Oh, habits like, oh, craving Christian fellowship. Habits, oh, good habits like wanting to please their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 15 says he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. But instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Let me ask you today, is there any evidence of your salvation? Have your old habits been demolished? Have some new habits been developed? Because I want you to know this morning, you cannot run with the world and walk with God at the same time. And that's the problem with too many people, amen? Listen, you cannot hold hands with God with one hand and the devil with the other. And that's what too many people are trying to do. They're trying to hold on to God and hold on to the devil at the same time. And I'm going to tell you, it just will not work. There's going to come a time when you're going to have to let go of one of those hands. You're going to have to choose this morning. Are you going to hold on to the hand of God? Or are you going to hold on to the hand of the world? Or are you going to hold hands with Jesus? Or are you going to hold hands with the devil? Amen. I believe somebody here this morning needs to make the decision, amen, to let go of your hand with the devil and start walking with God. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12 says, do not, say not, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Goes on to say, instead, instead give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Hear me clearly, very clearly hear this. Your behavior cannot save you. Your behavior cannot save you. You can never be good enough to earn your salvation. But your behavior is 
evidence. Your behavior doesn't save you, but behavior is evidence. Hear me. Your behavior, it doesn't determine whether you are a sinner or a saint. It reveals. It reveals whether you're a sinner or a saint. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away. All things become new. Jesus said, not everybody that says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I believe that Jesus would also say, not everybody that has repeated the sinner's prayer. Not everybody that has been dunked in the baptistry. Not everybody that has joined a church. Not everybody, Jesus said, that says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Who is then Jesus? Jesus said, he that does the will of my Father. We're not saved by works, but our works tell off on us. I said, we're not saved by works, but our works tell on us. Our works or lack of works reveal who we really are. Sweetheart, your husband can tell you till he's blue in the face how much he loves you, but if he's beating you, he doesn't love you. His words say one thing. His work says something else. And what's really true is his works. They reveal who he is and what he is. You can say, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, till you're blue in the face, you can sing every love song that there is in praise and worship to Jesus. Amen. And still go to hell. You can come to church every Sunday morning. You can say amen louder than anybody and still go to hell. You can be the biggest giver in the church and still go to hell. No, we're not saved by works, but our works tell off on us. Our works or lack of works reveal who we really are. What's on the inside will eventually manifest itself on the outside. Worship team gets back in place this morning. Everyone, please let me have your attention. question of the day is, are you sure? Are you sure? If you die today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Are you sure? If you're not 100% sure, that means you're unsure. I can't imagine being unsure about where my eternal soul and spirit Spend eternity. Are you sure that you want to be unsure? Father, I just pray today.
God, that you'll take this word, Father. Lord, I wrestled with this word because I want to I present a balanced message, God, a balanced message. But most important, I want to I I present a correct message. And to the best of my ability and the best of my knowledge, Holy Spirit, would you do what I am unable to do today? Holy Spirit, would you do your work of conviction today? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this room today, are you saved? Are you sure? Will I? Will I? Will I? Are you sure? Are you 100% sure? Because if you're not 100% sure, then you are unsure. Again, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and no one's looking about, please. Be very reverent right now. This is the most important part of this service today. If you're in this room this morning and you're not 100% sure, which means you're unsure, but you want to leave today 100% sure, if that's you today, I want you to lift your hand all over this room. Lift it up really high. Lift it up high and leave it up there for a few moments. Lift it up all over this room. I'm not 100% sure. All over this room. I'm not 100% sure. I see two or three hands is all I see this morning. I expected more. Man, we've got a saintly crowd today. I guess we do when you, you know, ignore the spring break, the spring forward, and the rain. This is the cream of the crop right here. You can put your hand down now. Not trying to talk anyone out of their salvation this morning. I'm just trying to make sure that you're sure that you're sure. Nothing more important in all of this world than to know that you know that you know. Anyone else in this room this morning join these two or three that lifted their hand? Anyone else? I'm not 100% sure, Pastor. I want to I be sure. I want to be sure. I want to be sure. God bless you. Thank you. How many others this morning? Put your hand down. You put your hand down. How many others this morning? I'm not 100% sure. Thank you. God bless you. standing please half a dozen or so lifted their hand this morning they're not 100% sure of their salvation I am going to lead you in the sinner's prayer this morning again it's not about the method it's about a changed life and a changed heart and if you lifted your hand that you're not 100% sure I want you to repeat this prayer with me this morning but I want it to be more than just a prayer from your lips I want it to be a prayer from your heart you must mean it it must be genuine and it must be sincere Everyone pray this prayer so no one is singled out. Repeat this prayer with me from your heart. Heavenly Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I understand that nothing I do can save myself. I can't do anything to save myself. 
But your word says that you did for me what I could not do for myself. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He became the Son of Man. I believe He died on the cross for my sin. I recognize my sin today. I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I pray you wash my sin in the blood of Jesus. I place my faith, my trust, my hope, my confidence in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, not just from your lips, I believe that the Lord heard your prayer. I believe that He saved you today. Give the Lord a shout of praise in His house today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Can we all move in closer this morning? Let's come down a little bit and spend some time. Just a couple of moments in the presence of the Lord in the altar area this morning. Everyone coming. If you, if you prayed that prayer with me, please make sure that you come. The rest of you come as well this morning. 